louder. Lights, camera, exploitation, your guide to exploitive cinema. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is my doppelganger, Kanga Banger, from down under, Mr. Brody Kane. Hello there. And the man slicker, then come on a gold tooth, Mr. Nick Reese. What y'all doing? Today, we have a doozy of an episode. But first, it's time for your slice of life. I'll start things off to change things up a bit today. Oh. And give you some context of this episode. So this was recorded once before, folks. We are from the future, recording in the future to try to fill in this gap because the audio did not record correctly. But anyway, I did a lot of comic book stuff this week. This is going to be out of sync because you guys are going to listen to other episodes that we recorded where our slice of lives happened uh, before this. But anyway, anyway, Mm -hmm. before all that time travel bullshit. Yeah, lots of comic book stuff. The Vinegar Syndrome sales going on right now. Uh, Brody got me an awesome uh, gift card for my birthday. So I went and I picked up uh, Terminal Island in 4K and one of their limited edition uh, screen prints of the Vinegar Syndrome girl walking into the sunset and the sunset is indeed a film reel. It looks exquisite. Uh-huh. I got a, I got a blank space for it right here to my left, and I can't wait. Thank you, Brody, for that amazing gift. You are a great friend, and I'm very thankful for the rest of my family that did a really good job in making my birthday this year very special. Carrot cake and everything. It was awesome. My daughter got me that Bleeding Skull book about the uh, 90s horror trash movies, the shot on video stuff. Awesome stuff. But anyway, Brody, I know you've had a busy week at work. Yeah, um... <clears throat> just flat out, as I say, every fucking week. Uh, it never fucking ends in this joint. So, but I'm glad you enjoyed your gift. It's good to see that you spent that gift voucher to something great. Um, what have I been up to other than work this week? Nothing really much else. Oh, I've been listening to a fuck ton of podcasts this week, including Mr. Tarantino's uh, new yeah. podcast, The Video Archives. It's uh, really fucking great. Uh, and I'm just hanging out for the next episode. I've pretty much binge listen to all of his episodes so far i think there's only three um but every time you know you see or hear him talking about film you just want to fucking watch whatever it is he is talking about and just his passion and enthusiasm you know towards uh towards the film that he talks about just really inspires you to watch more film so yeah no i fucking love that shit um and what else um been babysitting fucking dogs for the last couple of weeks for friends of mine who've gone away on holidays uh so it's been great spending a lot of time with uh, those little fuckers, the dynamic duo, pretty much. Uh, the blue staffy Bruce, who's pretty full on, and JD is, well, a Kalgoorlie special. I don't know what the fuck sort of breed he is. <laughs> He's got a bit of staffy and Labrador in there. They're good boys, nonetheless. Yes. They are, they are. And um, yeah, they're just they're just good fun. So other than that, not, not much else. What about you, Slick Nick? Well, not a lot. Busy week at work myself. Um, haven't done a ton outside of it. Um, been a pretty relaxed sort of laid back week i need to start listening to video archives rather than re-listening back through the always sunny podcast like i've been doing this week uh it's so good it's so good those guys are so funny 
Um, but yeah, um, I mean, at least luckily I know this season because of the whole, uh, time travel that in future episodes, you guys will actually hear me <laughs> describe a week. That's not entirely boring. <laughs> uh, so my exciting stuff comes later on. Just keep listening to the season. You'll, 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 you'll like it. <laughs> there's, there's teleportation in there where he comes yes. to see me. So it's, it's, yes. it's fun. Stuff gets good. So keep listening in the, uh, in the past, future, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Our past, your future. Yeah. <laughs> We're living in the future right now. Fucking ace, you boys ready? Yes, sir. Yes. So this week we got a doozy of a film, and that is The Foot Fist Way from 2006. Come on. Your weakness is disgusting to me. Try, Mr. Simmons. Try harder, because right now you're sucking. Last August, a film was slipped to Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Do you think y'all can handle this? Taekwondo's a deadly serious killing system. Since then, they have watched it at least 20 times. It's the best of all martial arts. I hear jiu-jitsu is really good for balance. No, jiu-jitsu sucks. They quote it. I don't want to say that you're a whore, but right now, your actions and your attitude are very whorish. They obsess over it. Hey, everybody. What are you doing here? Just come back from working out? No, came from church, you fucking retard. And now, they want to share it. Turn that shit off. Track number three, Julio. March ready stance. Sir. Keep your eyes on Rick, and don't forget the distracting back fist. That's the key. I don't think you're gonna like how this ends, hot shot. Sit down. goddamn control and shit like this can happen to me what's gonna happen to you i bet you your wife's probably gonna butt fuck somebody so it begins and that is from director Jody Hill, who also did Observe and Report in 2009, Eastbound and Down from 2009 to 2013, a TV series, Vice Principals in 2016, a TV series, The Legacy of a Whitetail Deer Hunter in 2018. This guy has done some of the most awesome television shows to ever exist. But more on that later. Writers, Ben Best, Jody Hill, and Danny McBride. Cinematographer, Brian Mandel, who worked on Killer View 2009, Angry White Man in 2011, and Alaska, The Last Frontier from 2011 to 2013, a TV series. Music by the Dynamite Brothers and Pyramid production design, Randy Gamble, who worked on Richard's Wedding in 2012. Art director, Gia Ruiz, who worked on Eastbound and Down from 2009 to 2000. 10. Costume design, Jonah Lynn Gross. Editing, Zine Baker and Jeff Sivanek. Makeup artist, Emily Huang, who worked on Inception in 2010, The Dark Knight Rises 2012, and Interstellar in 2014. Willa Nolan's folks. Digital compositor, Ryan Weber, who worked on Robocop in 2014, Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens in 2015, and Godzilla vs. Kong in 2021. Budget, $79,000. Starring, Danny McBride as Fred Simmons, who you may know from Pineapple Express in 2008, 30 Minutes or Less in 2011, This is the End in 2013, or Alien Covenant in 2017, or any of the aforementioned TV shows from Jody Hill. And Tropic Thunder. Mm -hmm. He's the effects guy. 
that does the pyro yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's the pyrotechnics dude. Mary Jane Bostick as Susie Simmons, who did The Dutch Angle in 2009, A Short, and Fox Hunt Drive in 2020. Ben Best as Chuck the Truck Wallace, who starred in Superbad in 2007, which I believe just had an anniversary. Land of the Lost in 2009, and Observe and Report in 2009. Spencer Marino as Julio Chavez. Carlos Lopez as Henry Harrison, who starred in The Starving Games in 2013. And Jody Hill, the director, stars as Mike McAllister. And last, but certainly not leastly, Colette Wolf as Denise, who starred in Semi-Pro in 2008, Hot Tub Time Machine in 2010, and Interstellar in 2014. Party! Take it away! Fred Simmons is one of the world's most gifted practitioners of the Korean fighting style known as Taekwondo, or at least that's what he likes to tell people. Despite his supposed skills, Fred teaches students out of a shabby dojo where for the most part he browbeats kids into learning the aggressive points of the martial arts without having much understanding of the philosophy or reasoning behind it. Now that most folks care in the small town where he teaches, Fred is considered to be the real deal and his talent as a fighter earns him plenty of respect. But Fred's reputation and ego takes a serious blow when he learns that his wife Susie has been fooling around with another man and Fred challenges him to a fight that doesn't go too well. Falling into an emotional tailspin, Fred goes on a pilgrimage to meet his hero and role model, martial arts celebrity Chuck the Truck Wallace. But this won no award, sadly, but shoulda, coulda, woulda. Boys, let's get physical. But we have a release from February 10th, 2009. Runs 85 minutes. Rated R. It's from Paramount Home Video. It is available on Amazon for $13.99. Has subtitles English, French, and Spanish. We don't got much on it because it's just a basic bitch disc. But it is out there and available now, Region A. So we got a little bit of information that we dug up about this from various interviews and articles. Boys, would you like to dive into those? Get real deep in there. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the, the show was for Brody motioning to me to start. Because <laughs> I was also going to offer to let him start. Alrighty. So we have in an interview with Vulture in 2008, Jody Hill explains how the film received its budget. Saying, right after graduation, I moved to Los Angeles for like five or six years. I worked at a bunch of shitty jobs in reality television, and I just saved everything I could for about five years, knowing I wanted to make a movie. And then I went back to my hometown of Concord, North Carolina, and applied for as many credit cards as I could get. But when we were shooting the movie, even that wasn't enough. So my brother kicked in about 11,000 more just so we could finish production. So it was basically all between me and my brother. So Hill elaborates a little more on the subject matter of money, and he goes on to say, luckily, I sold a screenplay. I'm in Albuquerque right now. That's why you hear me running out of breath from the elevation. And I'm shooting a movie called Observe and Report, starring Seth Rogen and Ray Liotta. When I sold that screenplay, I was able to pay off the movie, but just barely. I've still got this shitty one bedroom and that kind of stuff. Hey, I've got a shitty one bedroom. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Hill talks about finding the idea for the film. He says, I grew up doing Taekwondo. 
Uh, when I was in high school in North Carolina, I started a Taekwondo club. So that's where the idea for the movie came from. And we shot the movie in this big school uh, that an instructor there, Sean Baxter, had built up. And we used all his kids in the movie. So they're like real Taekwondo kids. There are no real actors in it. Uh, Danny McBride was the only one of us who had any acting experience. He had been in All the Real Girls, directed by David Gordon Green. Uh, I met co-writers and co-stars Ben Best and Danny in college. And when we shot the movie, I had them come in and train for three weeks. And if I remember correctly, when we recorded this the first time, we checked and Sean Baxter is still a Taekwondo instructor to this day. And I believe in the first recording attempt of this episode i also revealed that i located master winterhawk which yes we talked about last season so just so you guys are folks know and to follow up on the master winterhawk story which is 100 percent legit i'm pointing at the camera old boy we talked about it in the old, yes, boy, in episode. The old boy episode mm-hmm. well, i've located him he has social media and there is plans to get back into uh, contact with him and maybe do something on here because Martial arts are awesome, and Taekwondo rocks, and we're talking about it here today. Oh yeah, Brody! But we have Hill then describes how he came up with the idea of McBride's character in the film, stating, I remember when I first started Taekwondo, I thought my instructor was like the coolest guy in the world, and as I got older, I realized he was just a regular guy. It never occurs to you that this is someone who's got the same problems everybody else does. It's weird. When you go to martial arts schools, a lot of the students, regardless or whether or whether they're kids or guys who are older than the instructor himself, will bow and call their instructor sir and mister so-and-so. It could definitely go to somebody's head. So Hill then talks about his feelings towards seeing the film after all of these years, uh, saying, when I look at Foot Fist Way, I don't know if I'll ever be more proud of a movie. When we shot it, when we shot it, we didn't have any money at all. There was no way we could compete with a studio film. We didn't even want to try. What we were going for is basically like when you hear a punk band's first album that they recorded in a basement somewhere with all the pops and hisses and talking in the background and stuff. Instead of having that be our handicap, we tried to turn that into something that would make it stand out. I'm proud, really, that we were smart enough to realize that at least. And also, the movie still makes me laugh. If it makes me laugh three years later, that's cool. So in an interview with Jody Hill over at the Sundance Institute, he talked talks about Danny McBride stating the screenplay was written with Danny McBride in mind, always to play the role, and he just really brought to life this character. And together we worked out things that made him great. I think Danny McBride, um, he's been my best friend since college, so I feel like working with him in sync when it comes to movies and how we like to see the characters portrayed, you know, with anyone we want to shoot, something that was realistic that you know a character doesn't always act, you know. It's, it's a convenient way for the script. He acts as he does the wrong thing sometimes and a guy like this does the wrong things a lot of times so hill then talks about the script rewrites uh, he says i'd say eight drafts total uh, were written on the script i guess about a week before we started shooting we were rewriting 24 hours a day for three days and every time we did a rehearsal or anything the script would change so in an interview with danny mcbride over at movie web he talks about the journey of the film he states it's been pretty insane i mean you know when we made this film it was really our only kind of a goal was when we were in college we would just sit around and drink beer and watch movies and we'd watch the same movies over and over again and you know we really just wanted to kind of make a movie that maybe that would just be the lifespan of it we 
could make something that some other guys we could make something that some other guys in college could sit around and drink some beers to. Then getting into Sundance obviously blew our minds. I live in Virginia and Ben Bess lives in North Carolina. So every time I came back out to LA, we would like to hear all these other people who had suddenly seen the film and were so disconnected from anything that, that was happening here. It's definitely been a pretty insane ride and now I'm running around with this gentleman, Will Farrell, and dinosaurs in Land of the Lost. So yeah, it doesn't seem real. In the same interview panel for MovieWeb, Jody Hill explains the inclusion of Fred's iconic Ferrari 308 GTS <laughs> in the film, saying... That Ferrari actually belongs to a friend of my dad's, a guy that actually ended up investing in the movie, and that car, he's owned it forever. And in middle school, we used to drive through town, and we'd see it, and we'd go, oh, that's Dr. Chiffon's Ferrari. <laughs> and so, when it, came, when it came time to tip, god damn, what the fuck, Nick? <laughs> I just tripped over every word there for a second. And so when it came time to make a movie, we dragged that Ferrari down and he let us use it. In an interview with ComingSoon.net, when asked if he would consider reprising the role of Fred Simmons after the subsequent success and appearance as the character on, on The Late Night with Conan O'Brien, actor Danny McBride responds with, I think we'll just leave it. They really wanted us to do all this in character shit, which we really don't want to do. And we just didn't feel like he was really crafted the same way that Borat and those other characters, you know, that work well doing a character. So Fred is just another beast and we just didn't want to lampoon him. That's why the Conan thing seemed cool. Fred Simmons showing up on the red carpet for MTV doesn't really make sense, but Fred Simmons showing up at Conan, may, maybe he submitted his demo team and they pulled it off and, and then he just fucking blew it. So composer Joseph Stevens, when speaking to Epiclef Media about his involvement writing the score for Foot Fist Way, reminisces on the project saying, when our our band scored the foot fist way. We kind of did it collectively. There was a lot we didn't know for sure, but also there was no pressure, I think. Uh, we didn't really know what we were doing. The movie was just a fun thing that our friends had made and was just this like fun experiment at a certain time in our lives. As the stakes got higher and I started doing more, I definitely had to adapt more into the technology that goes into scoring and some of the people around you that kind of need that you kind of need, like copyists or orchestrators, people who could play different instruments and all of that. It was definitely learning on the job. I didn't go to school to learn how to score for film or television. I've always had musical training in my background, but never like this, where I'm thinking about themes in this kind of way. In a piece for Craft Truck, editor Zane Baker describes the process of working on the Foot Fist Way, saying a Foot Fist Way, it, it was a no-budget indie film with Danny McBride in the starring role. We did that for no money. That was more or less voluntary. Cutting that in my living room, in my dingy apartment for weeks and weeks. When asked how long the editing process actually took in the end, Baker also states that that was actually pretty luxurious because we had no release date. So we were able to take our time up to a certain point. We submitted a longer cut into Sundance and once we found out, oh yeah, we were actually going to play at Sundance, which was a huge shocker because Foot Fist is a comedy and comedies rarely, if ever, get selected for anything at Sundance. So finally, Baker describes his process when editing comedy films, stating, you know, you put it together as the joke was conceived. So, okay, here's the setup. Here's the delivery. Here's the punchline. Okay, now, does it work or doesn't it? Does it make you laugh? Because if it makes you laugh consistently, then it's probably working. If you're still laughing, because you're going to be seeing it over and over and over again. And most of the time, you're tweaking jokes right up until the very end. Well, boys, let's 
knuckle battle! <laughs> Favorite performance of the film, Slick Nick, take it away! Yeah! Well, well, what can I say? Besides Danny McBride, it is, I think this was his first feature, um, and it started off strong. It definitely established Danny McBride as the actor that we know him today. Oh, in yeah. So very many comedy films now. Um, I mean, it, it's honestly fantastic to just see him in this role. You can also see how it kind of evolves um, over time as well, because you can see how it influences a lot of his later uh performances specifically i can think of and it, it, i mean it's another jody hill thing that they did together you know eastbound and down like it definitely feeds directly into that as well um and just overall it, it's there's a little bit of heart to his character it's not always 100 percent full-on just danny mcbride in comedy mode yeah um especially anything that you know is dealing with like him and and julio uh <laughs> Who, even though he's a child as his assistant, he just like genuinely respects him while also shitting on him at the same time as like his buddy. It's so weird, but he like toes the line so very well with it. Uh, it just makes it so much funnier and more interesting to watch. Uh, and then I will also have to say, uh, my, my shout out is for Jody Hill as Mike McAllister. Um, as I believe I stated in the, the first recording we did, he reminds me so much of, I can't remember his name, but fucking Matrix sunglasses from grandma's boy the <laughs> play tester guy I can't, God, uh, I can't remember what his JB. name is jb jb yeah yes but he reminds me so much of if jb was uh, into taekwondo yeah. instead of video games it's so good um it's just so funny it's so over the top whenever he gets in uh into the car with julio and henry and he's just like you guys ever seen like how sex works or whatever like whatever the hell it was when he turns back into him in the car and it's just over the top the entire time it's so good you know what's funny is i feel like that role like that type of character will go to nick swartzen it would either be nick swartzen or the guy from eastbound and down that plays his assistant on there what's his name oh shit brody you uh watched a fuck ton of kenny powers in your day uh <clears throat> i'll have to look that one up what's his assistant's name like what does he call steve him? steve that's right okay i could also uh i don't think they've done a lot of work together but for some reason i could also see nick offerman or not Ooh. offerman I was nick like, kroll nick kroll go. doing it i yeah. love nick kroll oh my god his comedy is so good <laughs> i do too uh, Steve's real name is Steve Little. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Steve Little. Okay. Is, isn't it like a L-I-D-E-L or something? No, nah, it's just Little. like. Oh, like Little? little? Oh, I'm thinking of Lydell. Something Lydell. Never mind. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> hey, that David Gordon Green guy is the Halloween guy, right? The 2007 yes. Halloween? No. Or the new The Halloween? new one, because he writes okay. stuff with Danny. Yes. yes, he is. Okay, that's what I thought. So that's funny because it's still this group of people. They're just doing the Halloween movies now. <laughs> I, I love it though they're all like stuck together as buddies and they're all just making movies like they're just making movies together they're just making whatever they want whatever they can it's fantastic brody performance what? pal yeah i'm gonna have to go with uh danny mcbride he's definitely a fucking standout in this um it's pretty much kenny powers as a taekwondo instructor uh, i mean yeah jody hill's cameo is pretty quite entertaining but uh when the story and characters interact with julio i'm always laughing and glued to the tv every time uh that motherfucker shows up even though he has no motion to show you know the party scene is fucking hilarious uh because every time there's a wide shot julio's do it, just doing something different in the fucking background yeah i know like, I, 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 don't, I love how he just beats up fucking um, those band members after you see him racking up lines of cocaine. It's fucking great stuff. <laughs> um, Kid did good. 
Oh, yeah, he was absolutely fantastic. And, I mean, after all the shit that he cops, it's great to see that respect that he deserves. And, you mm. know, I love that line that Danny McBride says to him. He's like, how many slices have you had, Julio? I think you've had enough. <laughs> and Julio just snubs him and just keeps eating. It's fucking great stuff. The chemistry between uh, McBride and Julio is fucking just some of my favorite parts of the film. But, yeah, like, yeah, McBride, I mean, how could you not fucking pick him for this film? He's just an absolute standout. He's fucking hilarious. I love him. Bet you. Mr. Bowser. So to try to change up your answers, I will choose uh, Chuck the Truck Wallace because the actor yeah. who played Chuck the Truck was a very believable bad guy and you really hated him by the end. Uh, he was a fucking asshole and he's fucking everyone's wife. Granted, she's a uh, Yeah. Gone down and break his heart. And you just can't be having that. And she did it multiple times. And fuck, I'd say that time when he, I mean, he comes home and she's just on the couch with what the what the fuck could you do, man? Just fucking breaks him down. But yeah, I'll get into some more uh, Chuck the Truck stuff later. But like fuck. you guys said, Danny McBride's fantastic. And all the supporting cast just kind of really drives home his performance in this. It's, it's awesome. It's a great introduction to what Danny McBride is and just the seer performer he is. And I think he kind of kept that up with his character, too, in Superbad. If I remember correctly, in Superbad, he's the one hosting the like shitty party that they go to, like, sort of halfway through with the guys doing coke in the oh, back room. Oh, yeah. And they get stuck in there. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing here, man? And he's like, got the stain on his pants. He says, it's Merlot. It, fuck me, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's the like asshole hosting that party. He's a good asshole. He's a very believable <laughs> asshole. But he's a good asshole. I've been to parties with people like him. It's very believable. <laughs> so favorite set piece. I love the dojo. It looks like mm. a... Uh, taekwondo dojo because it is and yeah. his house is your typical suburban white folks home uh <laughs> yeah especially where where are they located south carolina isn't that where the actual uh, one's at north carolina oh north like the actual sets and everything yeah i'm pretty sure that it was all like north carolina because i mean they only had 79 grand total for budget i don't think they were spending money to fly out anywhere <laughs> i love the dojo i think it's cool boys anything you want to expand on no, the dojo is pretty, pretty sweet. It's the only real standout in this film, uh, visually. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's just a standard dojo, but I mean, it's probably the, yeah, the coolest thing about it in locations. Um, yeah, I've really got nothing else. What about you, Nick? I mean, yeah, uh, the, the choice to shoot on location is always a fun one. Um, so I do like that they, they actually shot at just a, a dojo for the dojo. Actually, wasn't it? Um, I remember something about there being like a school gym that they were shooting something in as as well was that the uh, like tournament at the end i believe that they just like they just booked a like actual like middle school gym to just oh shoot my it all god in. like it was, it was I, I think that's what it was with the tournament at the end um there's that and then there's the the greasy hotel room that oh yeah chuck's uh party is taking place in where he's got like your standard one bedroom hotel room but he's got 50 people crammed into the damn thing <laughs> <laughs> with the band and everyone playing uh and it what does he I think that what does he ask him if he has whenever he first gets to the party oh shit isn't it uh he asked if they like brought any chicks or something and he oh, said yeah, no yeah. and, and they like, and get, they, the, fuck like, well, get the fuck out of here right? yeah. <laughs> i'm talking with you dude come on in yeah <laughs> uh but yeah no i mean like just that cramped little hotel room and all of that that set piece i think honestly makes the fight that that julio initiates with those band members that like ultimately 
earns the respect yeah. of Chuck just that much better. I, I think it makes it's a little bit more close. It's a little bit more of a, a personal like scene when they get into that fight and everything. I think it just helps. So uh, I might I might have to go with the hotel room. You know, that, well, that's a good transition to a favorite scene shot. And I'd have to say that that fight you mentioned in the uh, hotel room or mm-hmm. during that party is one of my favorite scenes in this film uh, with an honorable mention to the ending sequence of our the tournament of Fred redeeming himself at the tournament with Chuck the truck and the montage of them breaking all the stuff super cool gotta love it yeah those scenes just really fucking cool I mean uh, the other ones are just either there to uh, what is it uh, the sad exposition of his wife <laughs> being a whore and crushing him and making him feel like he needs to constantly prove himself in really strange ways but we'll get into that later Brody favorite scene or shot pal um well i've actually got two favorite scenes uh one of them's definitely um the stevie fisher scene fuck i was absolutely pissing myself laughing by the end of it (laughs) just how he belts the absolute fuck out of stevie and has the audacity to uh you know blame fucking stevie's father (laughs) for having sex with his wife then the mother comes over and it's like my my husband's dead so (laughs) and then he's like you're making this a very awkward lady so that's it's it's only made better by the fact that Susie tried to tell him that no, that's not the same guy. Like way before that even happened, he was like little Stevie Fisher's dad. She was like, no, 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 that's not the same dude. Yeah, and, and the second scene um, would follow after that when this um, nerd comes in and tells McBride that his prices are too high, and then to receive a response by McBride quoted saying. <laughs> Fuck you, fat ass. If you were in prison, you would get raped because you exude feminine qualities. You're also a big old fat piece of ass. Go home, you piece of shit. Fuck. It's it's just comedy gold right there. It's fucking hilarious. McBride's the man. And you almost it's have to mention life. that scene where uh, they have the older lady and the uh, angry dude, and McBride gets the angry dude all pissed off, and he kicks the the older lady in the face. Or is it punches her? Oh, I think he decks her. <laughs> he- <laughs> he brings her up and he um, basically says that, yeah, she could take anyone on yes. in the room. Or And then this bloke's like, really? You want me to take this old lady on? He's like, fucking do it. And he just like full on like punches her in the fucking guts. That's right. He punches her. She's right. fucking He kicks drops. her when she's on the ground. Somebody check and see if she's kicks alive. Her in the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, stop, stop. Go check on her. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, as you stated earlier, how we were going to uh, speak more on it later of the, the scenes of the sad expedition <laughs> getting life ruined. I was going to say one of my favorites is the fight with Chuck immediately after so finding him on the couch with <laughs> Susie. And and you're like, yes, come on, come on, kick kick Chuck's yeah. ass. You can do it. And he gets his shit roundedly handed to him yes. immediately. Only to like get up and be like, man, fuck you. And he's like crying and running away into the side yard. Like just you eat shit. Fuck off, man. And he just like runs off. And it's so it's just like it's the build-up to it. And it's yeah. like the tenseness of it. And you're like, oh, he's gonna kick, he's gonna kick his hero's ass for sleeping with his wife. And then he gets his shit rocked and he starts crying. Crying and he runs away. <laughs> like it's it's good. It's just like it flips. It's unexpected. It's really funny, and it makes the end with him kicking his ass doesn't in the tournament and redeeming a, himself better. Doesn't he fall asleep in like public, like next to a busy road? I think so. After that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he wakes up like either in a gutter or like on a bench <laughs> next to the like a busy street. <laughs> Fuck, that's great. <laughs> So nobody died in this. Uh, we nah. don't have many effects, so that really doesn't apply to this movie. Fight scene? I mean, I think we've 
picked those for our last one. I mean, I love the fight scene in the hotel room and the realism of the fight scene with Chuck uh, at the at the house, like you said, after the uh, the the, the who or wife did the horror stuff. Uh, <laughs> I think I remember what I picked for effect last recording. What was it was the montage during the tournament at the end of them like yeah! breaking through all of the stuff. Uh, it just do it like all the boards and the cinder blocks and everything, just all of that. Like that whole montage scene was a really cool like effect, especially for the editing budget and the fact that it was one guy just sitting in his apartment for three weeks doing that by himself. For sure. Anything you want to add, Brody? Um, I might go down a different road and say the choice of lensing through that montage inside the hotel room, it's got like a bit of a fishbowl lens uh, effect to it. And it just gives it that more aesthetic to the characters taking drugs. Disorientation. Yeah, it gives it like a. I mean, it's it's a cheesy effect, but it fucking it actually works for a movie like this. So you don't really give a fuck, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, that's only the other really thing that I could remember. I think I chose that the first uh, on your first review of this. Um, nothing really else comes to mind actually okay so thoughts on story i'll start things off i think this is a ultra realistic type story could happen to anyone especially if uh, your relationship with your significant other isn't the best and they have cooler tendencies uh danny mcbride really drives home the character of fred simmons here and like i said earlier with the performance question all the supporting actors really help to boost that performance because it makes it more believable and this this your talent that Danny McBride has and displays here is boundless and his one-liners are memorable and this is just the introduction to him so to have such a strong introduction and then to see this character who's hilarious to go through some really serious situations and see how he deals with them and interestingly enough it's always in the worst way possible but that's what pe- uh, perpetuates the story into the hilarious situations and some of the more awkward ones uh, like the kids doing uh, well the kids doing drugs or around the drugs and of course the, the fight with adults and stuff like that it's good and of course some of the, the more sour moments like I said the, the constant cheating on him definitely help give reasoning behind some of his more uh, insane actions but it's great it's funny when it needs to be and it's serious when it needs to be Brody yeah I, uh, I think the story's fucking great um, because they, yeah like you said it captures that realism of well I think that there would be people out there that are exactly like Danny McBride's character you know these mall instructors, you know, they think they're their ducks' guts um, and just be useless fucking idiots. And the cool thing is that I I really appreciate about the film is that, that Jody Hill was able to, you know, base it on a sport that inspired him and crafted, you know, throughout the years. And then he was able to, you know, bring this unique take on it and make it hilarious. So it's clever writing on a shoestring budget. And you can definitely um, tell that Jody really uh, put a lot of time and effort into this script. Um, it has the right amount of humor. And in some cases, you know, um, it has this drama vibe about it, which also gives it that bit of a push with the comedic release, and I love that. Uh, especially when you introduce McBride, it definitely helps improve the narrative because he's just fucking guns blazing still in the show with that comedic humour, and it definitely helps drive the film. Um, yeah, I mean, really, what more can I say? I, I fucking really appreciate what Jody Hill was able to achieve for this film. It's fucking great. Sorry, what about you, Slick Mick? Pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, of course, I've got to agree. 
Um, oh man, there's not a whole lot I can say that you guys haven't already said. Yeah, I, I kind of refer to uh, things of this nature, like sort of comedic movies with a bit of drama, a little bit of like heart to it, um, especially ones that'll center around like uh, the main character just having awful shit happen to them. And when you think it can't get worse, it always seems to. But they play it off in a way that it's almost always it's very funny. I call it like tragic comedy. Um, it it just works well. Like a lot of the times they get into you know these situations that are so fiercely uncomfortable and just awful that you like have just the reflex of laughing at it like there's nothing there's no other way to experience it than just to laugh at it like the final speech between him and Susie where he chucks the ring down on the bleacher stands <laughs> up and literally pisses on it yeah. like yeah, he's like this is it this is what I think of this stupid marriage and like it just it's great to see how Jody Hill put what he knows which is taekwondo with just what he thinks is funny and just anything like and you can definitely tell that it's a group of friends who just wanted to make a movie that like he said with the whole i think the lifespan of this should just be friends in college sit down with some beers watch this and laugh and if that's all we get out of it that's all we need that's all we want yeah it's very similar to and i'm just grab this out of the the always sunny podcast because they talk about it um the best way of like going about comedy and things like that is just make yourself laugh and make the people you're making it with laugh and just try to focus on that instead of always trying to think well is the audience going to think this is funny is the audience going to think this is funny just make yourself laugh make your friends laugh and hope and everyone will appreciate that the sincere it'll feel more sincere and i think that that comes across a lot in this story as well it's very sincerely made by it's a passion project made by people who just wanted to make a movie about stuff that they thought was funny about a topic that the director knew and held to his heart very well and i think it came across perfectly uh it's not a perfect movie 100 by any means but it is very good and i think the story lends very well so impact and takeaways brody start us off um i'll start off by saying that jody hill's humor um is everything I love in comedy. Uh, it's pretty much the only thing that'll really make me fucking laugh out loud, uh, especially when you combine uh, Danny McBride to that. I'll just literally piss myself laughing every fucking time. Uh, I think it's a very funny and clever little indie film that obviously what we've elaborated on uh, that sparked the careers of future stars. So, yeah, I mean, these two, yeah, work incredibly well together. And every time I'll see Jodie Hill and McBride on any film, I'm definitely there for the fucking ride. Um, doesn't matter if it's got shit reviews, I'll definitely watch it, whatever. Um, Yeah, just... Yeah, I don't know. Oh, just a quick sidebar. I think I mentioned it too in the um in the first fucking recording. Jody Hill is the producer on the upcoming Hellraiser series. That's right. You mean TV? You so mean that, movie? No, the TV series. So it's weird because they're doing a movie and a TV series, mm. from what I've read. But he's on the TV series, which would make sense because I think David Gordon Green's meant to be directing the TV series as well. Is Blumhouse involved? Oh. I don't know, and I kind of want to say I hope not. Yeah, right? Cool. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. There's, sorry, just a little sidebar there. No, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, what about uh, you, Mr. Bowser? So like you said, it kind of was the introduction of the duo that we would grow to love today of Jody Hill and Danny McBride. We would see this type of stylings in comedy in his work of Vice Principals and Eastbound and Down, of course. And like he, we, we've mentioned Kenny Powers in the past. This is almost a diet Kenny Powers because he's nowhere near on the same level of insanity that he is. But there's definitely some flavor of that. And this movie is a good example of what you can do with very little, especially 
if you utilize what you have to the fullest extent, uh, to the fullest extent, $79,000 isn't a lot of money, especially whenever you apply it to filmmaking. Uh, this film was made, of course, in 2006, when money back then wasn't the same it is today, but still $79,000 ain't shit, Jack. So the fact that they were able to pull off a very successful and very impactful film, in my opinion, uh, is great. And awesome because it stick it sticks with me it stuck with me which is why i picked it for this season and it's a great conversation piece especially whenever you're talking within the realm of jody hill films and danny mcbride stuff nick yeah of course i, I mean like you said this if it weren't for this movie we wouldn't have the the powerhouse that is danny mcbride and jody hill and one other thing uh if you'll remember from the panel was that somewhere along the line on to the i can't remember if it was slightly after this came out or just just before it did but mr will ferrell signed on to help yes. produce this and then he went on to do you know eastbound and down as well uh with a you know as the sort of antagonist uh to to kenny powers in that um and so it's nice to see you know how they kind of started rubbing elbows with everybody in the like comedy world and it got them up there it got danny into tropic thunder which would have had a just hole in it if it wasn't for him as that just idiot pyrotechnic and like this is the end of the point where it got by 2013 it was like a meta thing of you know he's a part of this whole big like comedy group of all these friends but he's the one who kind of came in just sort of somewhat through uh, like all the rest of them and everything in 2006 after they'd all been established and kind of upset everything and it's sort of you can see the influence that it had on comedies and everything um as those continued into the rest of the 2000s and then into the ter- uh, early 2010s um so you know it it's just the impact is still being felt the more and more that they make TV wise and movie wise and all of that. And um, at least one of my other takeaways as well, like you said, you know, $79,000 from making a movie ain't shit, you know, um, in most cases you get clerks, you know, the Kevin Smith shooting with like a security camera in black and white because it's all he had at a convenience store. Like that's what you get with that kind of budget. But in cases like this and also like in clerks and another example I can think of um, the not movie wise, but game wise, the very first Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. Sometimes less is more. Sometimes putting constraints on what you can do requires you to think creatively to get around them or use them for the betterment of the final product of what you're making. So, like, you don't have an unlimited budget that you can run up and do absolutely whatever you want, whenever you want, spend as much as you want on effects, spend as much as you want on however many cameras you want, have the best quality and everything. That doesn't make the best film. Sure that. It, it can make a good film. If you have all the tools to do so, but sometimes even putting artificial constraints on yourself can end up making a very interesting product because you have to think outside the box to get around those limitations or get through them and use the limitations to make it better. Right. So it's it's really cool to see how this was applied, especially in something like a comedy. And you can see that people at the time appreciated it because like they stated earlier in the interview and everything, they got into fucking Sundance Film Festival with a comedy about a, a a guy who thinks he's the hot shit taekwondo instructor and beats up kids <laughs> it's amazing that that happened and it's great that it happened and i'm very happy that it did okay boy so let's rate this bad boy this week's rating is mediocre martial arts instructors with unfaithful wives out of five slick neck start us off i will start us off with a three and a half brody i would have to agree with nick three and a half i'm gonna give it a four and that has an lce score of 3.6 out of 5 mediocre martial arts instructors with unfaithful wives. 
So next episode, we have Brody's pick, which is Chopper from 2000 featuring Eric Bana. And I can't wait for you guys to hear that episode. If I remember mm-hmm. correctly, it was a doozy. But until then, see you guys next time. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser. Signing off. This is your DKB signing out. Slickless, Nicholas, Sinalus, Ophilus. Love y'all. I just moved to the area and I was looking for some sort of workout. What you want is Taekwondo. It's got everything. Mental, physical. That's good because when I was in school abroad, I really got into yoga and that's a lot of breathing techniques and meditation. Meditation's terrific and all, but never heard of it saving anyone from a gang rape type situation. Meditate on that.